Hey there, River Rock. Good morning to you. I just want to let you know just how much we miss you. And I got to be honest with you, as I look out here in this room, it's completely empty. It's, well, it's just kind of weird. But you know what? We're going to submit to the uh, governing authorities, and we're still going to be able to reach out and connect, even if we've got to use technology. I want you to know how much Chris and I love you guys. And yeah, we really do authentically miss you. It seems just incredibly impossible to try to communicate in words the unique challenges and difficulties and hardships that everyone is facing, that we are all facing. But for many people, and I understand why, they just find themselves completely overwhelmed. It can lead a person to ask some really tough questions to God. And I encourage you to do that. He's not afraid of our questions. But in asking those tough questions, then we are pushed over to facing this thing called worry. And you know, worry's not a big deal until it becomes toxic. I've been talking to some of you folks, and I'm hearing... We've been planning this incredible vacation and it's got to be canceled now. We had our daughter who is not able to go tour colleges and she's a senior in high school. We don't know if she's going to have a prom, if she's going to have a graduation. What does this look like? I have others who are telling me I'm concerned about retirement and my investments. And I've had people tell me my hours have been cut and I've been laid off. Folks, Chris and I, we can relate to those things. I know what it's like to one day have work and another day not. I know what it's like to be planning in something celebratory and all of a sudden it can't happen. And I'll tell you something. Jesus never left me or forsook me. And he's not going to leave you or forsake you either. It's because today I sense God wants me to bring a word about worry. Not concern. I'm talking toxic worry. So I'm going to talk today about how to win over worry. And so I want to open up with prayer. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. Nothing is impossible with you. Father, we know that, Father, if we pray, you hear us. We know your name is a strong tower. The righteous go in and find refuge. And, Father, greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. And, Lord, we pray, Psalm 91, the secret place. So, Lord, I pray, would you give us hearts to hear this word, this is a difficult word to hear when you're right in the thick of, well, uncertainty. And yet you want us to lean on you and to not worry. Come, Lord, have your will, have your way. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, let me start with this story. It's a story about a lady, and she went to the butcher shop to get herself, well, a whole chicken so she can make dinner. While she was there, she said uh, to the butcher, um, I need a nice sized chicken for dinner. 
He says, this is what I have. She said, will you weigh it? Well, it came up kind of short. It was a pretty small rinky-dink chicken. She says, well, don't you have any more chicken? Well, this was the last chicken. There was no more for the day. He says, well, let me look. And he ran to the back, acted like he was looking for something, and came right back out with the same chicken. And this time, he put his thumb on the scale and made it look a little heavier than it was before. Remember, he's got no other chickens. He's got the same chicken, one chicken. And she looks at it. She's just not impressed with the weight of that chicken. And she says, well, I guess I'm going to have to take both of those chickens then. And he looked at her. What's he going to do? What's he going to do now? You see, the butcher thought he could get away with being deceitful. You know what makes worry such a negative force in our lives today? It's the deceit that lies about God and who he is, that we have to believe these lies so that we would be able to worry. The thing about deceit is that at some point, someone's going to ask, well, for both the chickens. You're going to be called on the carpet, the enemy of our soul. And you're going to be found out. The truth is the enemy of our souls is the father of lies. And he constantly lies to us to get us to stop trusting, to get us to stop having faith in the one who's the way, the truth, and the life. Worry, it wreaks havoc in our lives. It makes you ineffective. It makes you inefficient. It weakens you for the long haul. And that is why Jesus has something to say to you and to me about worry. I'm sure you're probably struggling with worry. I know I am at some level. And that's when it's time to stop and say, Jesus, you take over. We worry about a lot of things, don't we? Like the fear of the unknown or the unpredictability of life, or the unmet and unrealistic expectations, dreams, or the pandemic. We all worry. I think worry is one of those issues that if you have a pulse, then you're going to have to face and deal with worry. But yet we're fortunate. See, because Jesus faced everything we face because he's came. He lived on this planet just like us. In Hebrews, it says this. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, this high priest, that's Jesus, of, our, of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let's take a look at what Jesus says about worry. It's important. Now, here's a pretty big chunk of scripture, but if you want to open up your Bible, go to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 22 and go all the way up to about verse 31. I'm going to read it out loud for us. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more 
than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Verse 27. Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Wow. Of course, when you read about Jesus telling us not to worry about our food and our clothes, I, I've just got to admit to you, that's not what I see as toxic worry for us nowadays. I understand it. Back in those times, they didn't have textile industries and they didn't have Amazon and all these things. And we would say, hey, you know, in the day and age that we live, we have a much more complex, much more complicated society. And yet I think we would be missing what God is trying to say to us through Jesus. He's trying to say, when you have the cares of this world, in this particular area, they had the cares of their body, what they needed to survive. And yet we have the exact same care for our bodies today in this pandemic. And the truth is, there's only one person we can rely on. And his name is Jesus. And he speaks to us about the concerns and even toxic worry that we're all facing today. Did Jesus have our lives in mind when he told us, do not worry about your life? <laughs> of course he did. So if we take a look at this passage and we look at any specific worry that you may be facing that's unique to you or that might be unique to me, I believe Jesus wants us to see at least three core principles that apply to our lives right now. So let me be specific here. I'm not talking about being irresponsible to serious matters or to this pandemic. I'm not speaking about being carefree and ignoring the severity of the times. I am talking about toxic, paralyzing worry. Where one's worry is so extreme that trust and faith in God is being abandoned. That deceitful lies about God are being embraced and valued as if that's true and not the word of God. You see, Jesus did have our lives in mind when he taught us those things here in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 12. So let's look 
at a few things that we should know about worry. Number one, worry takes away from our quality of life both now and in the future. Jesus said in verse 25 and 26 of Luke 12, what we just read, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can accomplish a little thing like that, isn't that amazing? Talking about adding time to your life, and he said, and Jesus says, that's a little thing. That's pretty amazing. How great is God that he looks at time as so, such a small thing? What's the use of worrying over bigger things? You see, worry is an enemy of your faith. Worry takes away faith and trust in God. Worry takes away peace and assurance that God will take care of us. Worry takes away hours of sleep and your health. Worry takes away from your thought life and causes memory loss and even leads to depression. Worry takes away from your relationships because other people don't want to be around you because you're worrying so much and it frustrates them. Worry takes away from your willingness to do the things God is directing you and me to do. Worry takes away from our lives, both now and in the future. It's an enemy of your faith. Here's two. God knows and we're to seek him. In verse 30 and 32 through 32, it says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. What? The things of worry? But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Wow. In another version, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus is teaching us that no matter the issue we are facing, God already knows. He's intimately connected and involved in your life. We just have to have the faith to walk in that. I want to share a story with you. It's back from the 1934. And it's kind of long, so I'm going to paraphrase it for us. And it's about a boy who talks about what he remembers the summer of 1934 there in Blackwood, Virginia. It was hot, and they had gone days and days without any water, without any kind of a breeze. And well, his, his daddy had had his tonsils removed. They put him in the lower basement bedroom because that was the coolest place. But his bleeding from the tonsils started to get worse and worse. And well, mama is trying her best. But remember, this is 1934. There is no air conditioning. There is no refrigeration. They still have people called icemen who would come and deliver ice to the homes. They are miles away from town out on a farm. So she calls the doctor, mama does. And she says, what do I do? I can't get the bleeding to stop. And she says, you're telling me I need to get ice and make a cold compress and put it over on his neck so I can slow down or stop the bleeding. But I have no ice. And she doesn't know what to do. So she gets some 
water-drenched cloths and tries to slow it down. That's not working. She needs ice. And there's no ice. And they're miles away from the city. She can't put her husband in a vehicle. She is not going to leave her husband. Doesn't know what to do. And this mama just turns around and she begins to pray. Lord, you take over, she prays. I'm lost and I don't know what to do. The little boy said he was so worried when he heard mama pray like that. And he threw up a prayer too. And he said, God, please, please help my daddy. Well, as mom finished her prayer, it was within moments that this tremendous noise was beating down on top of the roof. It was just like rock after rock after rock landing on top of the roof. Mama kissed her boy on the forehead. She ran out the back door, grabbed the pail, filled it up, came back inside, and all of a sudden she, the boy looked, and what was in there? Hailstones. There was ice. See, nothing's impossible when you stop trying to figure things out on your own and you put your world and your future in the hands of the Lord. Because a hailstorm, when you eat, when you need ice now, nothing's impossible with our God. Here's three. You need to mind your heart. See, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, and verse 34, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus commands us at the end of this passage about worry to have a divine perspective in our hearts that our core value needs to be from a divine perspective. We should mind our hearts and align them with the core values, with the heartbeat of God the Father. See, it's this kind of perspective that combats against worry. So how do we do that? Jesus wants us to mind our hearts and actively push worry away. How do we do that? Well, here comes the practical application to the message. There's three of them. Number one, you, me, we need to make up our mind to trust in God and allow him to be in charge. Not pretending, meaning it. In Psalm 94, verse 17 through 19, it says, Unless the Lord had helped me, I would have soon settled in the silence of the grave. I mean, I would have died. 18. I cried out, I am slipping, but your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. We're to make up our minds about worry. Are we going to trust in the circumstances of man 
Are we going to trust in the power of the Almighty? This is a constant decision that must be intentional, that God will direct our hearts and that we will let his joy reign in us because the joy of the Lord, it is our strength. Because without God, I can do nothing. Got to make up our mind. Are we going to be true believers even in hard times or just in the good times? You see, sometimes God changes the situation that we are facing. And sometimes God changes us in the middle of the situation. Here's number two, another practical for our application. We have got to be people of prayer. Folks, I am not backing down from this one. We have got to be people of prayer. There's no substitute. There is no alternative to getting down on your knees and laying face first before God of the universe and pouring out your heart to him. Prayer is what God commands us in our time of need. When we are stressed and when we are overwhelmed, God commands us to come to him, to pray, to lay down our worries before him. It says in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, don't worry. Guys, this is not an invitation. This is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. Marvin, do this and you're in obedience. Marvin, refuse to do this. And you're in disobedience. Don't worry about anything. I guess a pandemic falls in line with that. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him all for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What an incredible verse. I'm going to give it to you again so you can read it on your own. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. When we make up our minds to trust God and allow him to change us, and we come to him in prayer, God's going to fill our hearts with joy and peace and understanding which is going to push out worry. Toxic worry has no place in the heart of the believer. Now, God-given joy and holy peace and divine perspective, well, that's what's supposed to be in our hearts. Here's number three. We must add self-control and the willingness to constantly come to God in the midst of, of worry. We must continually ask God's strength and joy and patience in our lives. We must continually be on top of our thought life when that stinking thinking comes around and say, Jesus, help me to pray constantly. Because Satan, he is wanting to throw temptations and deceit at you at every opportunity 
Let me show you in 1 Peter chapter 5, 7 through 9. See what happens here. Give all your worries and cares to, that's right, God. For he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world, that's true, that's true today, are going through the same kind of suffering you are. So church, don't just pray for yourself in your household. Be praying for River Rock brothers and sisters and family. Be praying for your state, your nation, and be praying for believers and non-believers all over the world. Jesus knows what we are all facing today. This, vi this virus is clearly unprecedented. And yet Jesus would still tell us what he told the believers in the Gospel of Luke, he would tell us that worry takes away from the quality of your life, both today and tomorrow. He would tell you that we need to seek him and that he knows what's going on. And he would tell us to mind our hearts. Monitor what's going on in your heart. And I want to close with a little special music clip it really encouraged me, and I pray that it would encourage you as well. Let's watch this together. Well, what a timely word to be reminded of during such a time as this. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Well, will you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you for your church. I thank you for River Rock. Lord, I just pray for your people, the young, Father, the old, and everyone in between. Father, nothing is forgotten or ignored by you. And Lord, I pray you bless them. You provide miraculously for them. You bring the hailstorm of ice when it's needed. Whatever their need is, Father, I pray, supply every need according to your riches and glory. God, for those who are scared, I pray you lift up, be the lifter of their head, lift up their hearts. Father, we love you. We know, Father, we'll get through this because greater is he that's in us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And Father, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. You're in charge. And we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Help us, Father, to be a better church than we've ever been because we've gone through this together. In Jesus' name. Well, Chris and I, we want, to, we want you to know that we're praying for you. We want you to know that we love you and and we are constantly trying to find other ways to be able to connect and to reach out with you. And I want to encourage you, if you know somebody, a family member or a friend, 
Would you share this on your Facebook or send them the link to our website? We've also had people say, Pastor, how do I worship the Lord with tithes and offerings? God bless you for that. We want to let you know there's a couple of ways. If you're on Facebook, well, you'll see there in the comments, there's the address to the P.O. box. And if you're watching on our website, down there at the bottom, you'll also see the P.O. box uh, there as well. And you'll be able to mail in your tithes and offerings. I pray God will bless you for your worship to him and being faithful in a time like this and that. Well, I can't wait to see you again instead of a weird empty room like this. Please know something. I sure care and love you so much. Blessings to you. Bye-bye.